0: turn up the radio and sing along it's time for another great song this is the great song podcast seasons greetings and welcome once again to the great song podcast i'm rob alley i am jp Mosier, and we're here breaking down the best songs in modern music history we're going to tell you why they're great why we think they're awesome and why we think that you should too JP, how you doing today, man? Fantastic!
1: Just uh, finished organizing my sock drawer this morning. Oh, outstanding. Tubes on the left, crews on the right, <laughs> ones with holes smack dab in the middle.
0: <laughs> you got to get to the ones with holes first. That's they right. Gotta be, you got to always the best. know. Yeah, they're definitely the most comfortable. That's why you've worn them enough that they have holes That's in right. them, right? Um, all right. So, dear listener, strap in because this is going to be our first ever extra large episode of the great song podcast. Uh, we anticipate that this one's going to be slightly, maybe longer than usual because of the subject matter, but we will try to keep it edited for television. We're getting condensed. We're getting brave and bold today. And we are tackling the Abbey road B side suite by the Beatles. Um, It's going to be a long ride. We're going to give you lots of samples so you can follow along. But let's give you a little backstory on this B-side sweep. Uh, First of all, Abbey Road uh, was recorded in, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was recorded in 1969, released in 1970. It was the uh, last recording that the Beatles did together. Um, It actually ended up being released before Let It Be, but it's the last set of things that they recorded together in the studio. Um, and at the end, they just had kind of a bunch of like partial songs and short songs and pieces and ideas. And so what they ended up doing was just, they threw them all together in a 16 minute collection of, um, these songs and partial recordings kind of blended together to close their last set of studio recordings. Um,
1: Some were meant for the White Album, some were meant for Let It Be, some were meant for Get Back, and
0: they just all kind of threw it together. Exactly. Uh, And McCartney uh, said the idea was inspired by a guy named Keith West, uh, who who did a thing called Excerpts from a Teenage Opera, um, which is really hard to find. I tried to track it down, and it's really hard to find the the full thing. Uh, But anyway, this consists of the following songs. We're going to be covering all these songs today in one form or another. Uh, It starts at You Never Give Me Your Money, Followed by Sun King, Mean Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pam, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Weight, and The End. That's eight songs. We're also going to get to the bonus track, Her Majesty, because I can't not. It's the very last thing. Um, so that's eight songs that have been melded together, and even within those songs, some of them have different sections that are like mini songs of their own that just didn't get another title. So it's really mo- closer to ten songs that they've uh, melded together into this um, into this thing. So what are your? Do you have any initial thoughts on just the overall um, opus? the overall work of this thing what's what's its overall effect on you are you a fan like i mean it, it is good it, <laughs> it is i just
1: i think that uh actually the stuff that gets this kind of gets buried in the mega hits of the album yes. I think because um, I mean we could talk about the album an hour later but I mean it's got here comes the sun something come, come together, together. Yeah. it's got all these mega hits even oh darling and yep. I, want, I mean those are stuff that
0: And my personal favorite Beatles song Maxwell's <laughs> Silver Hammer. I kid you not that is my favorite Beatles song.
1: Rob may do his own semi episode <laughs> on that song. He I knows love more it about it so than anyone much. I've ever
0: met. It's so dark and weird and they sing about it just so like chipperly and happily and whatever it's i just
1: track three on your cassette as you're fast forwarding through it.
0: JP brought a cassette into the studio today um, because he was going to try and he he was driving a car today that didn't have a cd player not because it was too old but because it was too, too new too new so he thought i'll outsmart the system I'll, i was planning on
1: playing my cassette through my walkman through an auxiliary <laughs> jack <laughs> into the into the system so that I can listen to to do my prep work but I had some walkman trouble because apparently <laughs> I've not been using it enough and yeah so long story short I, that plan failed but I do have the cassette here that I'm looking at
0: oh man All right. Um, So why don't we, let's just dive in, unless you have some general stuff on Abbey Road that you want to get to.
1: Let's just, yeah, let's
0: just try to conquer it. Okay. All right. So here we go. So we're going to start this off with the first track of the Abbey Road Suite. This is You Never Give Me Your Money. tell, this is going to be a pretty eclectic grouping of uh, songs here. Um, Just the weird kind of transition even there foreshadows the extra super weirdness that is to come. Uh, You Never Give Me Your Money is in the key of C. It's kind of roughly 88 BPM. They weren't really recording with a click at this point. And And, Ringo's not the human metronome. And Ringo's not exactly the human metronome. Uh, We've established that I'm a bigger Ringo fan than JP. Um, But uh, there's... um, you know, there's even in some of these tracks, you'll hear sections that were recorded. Um, I don't know if it's on this. No, there's some song on Let It Be where literally the track shifts from one take of the song to another take mid song. And they just like spliced everything together and, and the tempo shifts drastically all of a sudden. Um, so it, you know, that wasn't out of the realm of possibility for tempo to shift in some of these songs. Uh, and some of these they did in... They would record two or three tracks at a time, you know, together. The ones that are really flowing together, they would record them, um, you know, together. So anyway, this is You Never Give Me Your Money, written by Paul McCartney, uh, shortly after the Get Back slash Let It Be sessions. Um, He was unhappy with their new manager, uh, whose name was Alan Klein, uh, and he's said that this song is basically about having no confidence in somebody. Uh, They lost their longtime manager, Brian Epstein, um, who was, I mean, apparently the more you read about it, the more it just seems like he was kind of really holding that whole thing together um, from the start and helping them be able to work cre- creatively together and be able to like stand each other, you know, with the the rigors of um, touring and, and, you know, all that.
1: Yeah, I was I was just gonna the line, the one sweet dream, pack up the bags and get in the limousine. Basically it was him and Linda to get away from the Beatles. Yeah. Like just to get away for a bit. Um and I I'm sure you'll talk about this later, but parts of this song are in other songs yeah. throughout the, the eight. We'll right. get into and that. And that's
0: that's why that's why I'm starting this transition, uh starting this I in my opinion and, and most of what I've seen, the the actual suite of songs starts with this one because it gets called back later. Um, Although it sort of is the only really one of the only songs that has a definite like beginning and end, it doesn't necessarily flow into the next song, but it reappears later. Um, So the band recorded 36 takes of this song in an 11 hour recording session at Olympic Sound Studios in Barnes, England and Take 30 is the one that you're hearing on the finished product of Abbey Road. Uh, Take 30 was selected as the keeper. Overdubs were done at Abbey Road Studios. A lot of Abbey Road actually wasn't done at Abbey Road. It was done at uh, Olympic Sound Studios in Barnes, Uh, but the iconic cover of Abbey Road is taken across the street as they cross the street to abbey road studios paul with no shoes that one paul with no shoes everybody thought paul was dead because he was wearing he was out of step with the rest of the beatles and he wasn't wearing shoes and he was wearing what white and everybody no, else john was, lennon's wearing oh white. lennon's wearing white that's right there's great many conspiracy theories on the cover uh, alone that could get into its own um thing uh and then in the middle of it it does uh it does do just kind of a out of left field transition into this one sweet dream section, which feels like a different song. You expect it to really be, have its own title and its own uh, track number, but it's actually part of this song, but it's the first real like um, transition into a, what feels like another song. Let's take a listen real quick to the one sweet dream section. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, about the, about the music of it. (laughs) One Sweet Dream section of You Never Give Me Your Money um, by the Beatles. So, okay, first I want to ask, it's it's kind of, it's a very pretty gentle song. You know, it's got the one section where he's out of college, money spent, that section. But a lot of the part, a lot of the song is very, very kind of soft and almost tender, you could say, which is weird when you're singing about having no faith in somebody. Um, but the transition to a straight rock feel that is one sweet dream I have a question I'm going to ask your opinion which one is better the transition from uh, you never give your, me your money to one sweet dream or the transition on the Chicago song um hard to say I'm sorry hard to say I'm sorry to get away and that is um, actually we should yeah, play play it. for comparison play it. if we're gonna talk about it hang on. just so, so good. good oh my god! sorry we're talking about abbey road but yeah we just had i know of, yeah i just want to listen to the rest of it i think honestly i think hearing him back to back i think i think i'm going with chicago you gotta go chicago i do too,
1: because of the drastic dynamic on where it goes from Hard to say I'm sorry to there, and like everything is right about yeah. it. The drum part, the guitar connector, the piano line. That's one of the best
0: horn licks I've ever yeah. heard in my life. Hey,
1: actually, you don't even know this. Under this fancy sweater I'm wearing, I'm wearing a shirt that says, Never trust an old man with a trumpet. Okay. So there you go. We got to go to Chicago for that one. That's really weird. Never Why do Never trust have that shirt? an old man with a trumpet. Why do you have that shirt? Because that shirt is amazing. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So sorry, Chicago takes the cake on that one, but also I see, but very good, uh, very good transition piece. Yeah.
0: Outstanding transition to one sweet dream. It kind of, you, you just kind of realize it hits this chord and you go, oh, we're doing something different now. Like we we just changed gears, you know, totally. Um, but I want to, I want to go back and, and listen to the, um, the transition chords Uh, because I want to talk about this uh, harmonic movement that we're getting into. So I'm going to play this one section again and then we're going to dig nerd deep into it for just a second. Okay, so just taking that little interlude section, um, it it the interlude ends with this interesting diminished movement. I think we've talked about diminished chords a little bit in the past, but here's a little refresher uh, if you're taking notes at home. So you've got a major chord, which is a, a root, a major third, and a fifth. You've got a minor chord, which is a root, a minor third and a fifth. And you've got a diminished chord, which is a root, a minor third, and a flat fifth, which is really just another minor third away from the original minor third. Um, And then if you want to make a chord fully diminished, you can add another minor third over the top of that flat fifth, which ends up being the sort of standard six or the 13 note in in a scale. So if you're in the key of C, you're talking C, E flat, G flat, A, which is really, um, B flat, B double flat. Um, so to, to make up a fully diminished chord and you can run that all the way up. You can run those minor thirds all the way up and down a piano and it, and it never, um, you know, it stays the same. Um, and so what, this is really cool because the, it's, it's moving, diminished arpeggios and a and a and and a motif which is like a repeated phrase the guitar is playing the same that da 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 and it's playing that phrase up a diminished uh a flat third each time creating this diminished movement while at the same time the bass is moving down a diminished chord uh so <clears throat> The bass moves from C down to A, and then up to E-flat, back down to C. So, so far, we've got C, A, E-flat, which is an A diminished chord, okay? C to A to E-flat to C, up to G-flat, back down to E-flat, still same diminished, G-flat to E-flat, up to A, back down to G-flat, and then it goes the chromatic push at the end, Up to the new key of A. So it does this weird, like up and down this chromatic um, chord outline arpeggio. And then the guitar is playing this ascending, fully diminished arpeggio. Which is a couple of little grace notes or passing tones. And just going up, 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 this diminished uh, pattern while the bass moves really down and back up and down and back up and down and back up. And they all land together on this bump, 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 bump from G flat, uh, to a, to, to bump up into the new key that made almost zero sense at all. You almost literally have to be looking at my notes and I almost couldn't even follow it.
2: <laughs> <clears throat>
0: so how they pulled that off in the first place, like how they even thought of that. I don't know. Pro- I'm probably some drugs involved. Um, so, okay, so now we're in the One Sweet Dream section of the first song of like 10 that we're, we're going to cover. We're on today. number 1, guys. That's right. We're still track track 1 of this uh 16-minute suite. <laughs> um so but we're now in the One Sweet Dream section, which is fairly there's not a ton to say about it. It is it is what it is, you know, it's cool, it's great. Uh do you have any you said, you know, you had a note on the sort of yeah. thematically about it?
1: Yeah, the um well, I know who what they each played on each one. Okay. Um, So like Paul obviously leads with the piano part at the beginning. It's really the soft piano led part. And then George plays a Fender Telly on this and John plays an Epiphone casino guitar.
0: Yeah. 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 So, and we should, we should clue you in. We're not going to do a sort of traditional meet the band.
1: We're not going to meet the band. I can, uh, it's the Beatles. It's the Beatles. Like, (laughs) John, Paul, George, Ringo. And although George Martin does add some uh, Lowry organ on okay. here. So there's a if we were doing a Meet the Band section, we would talk about George Martin. But for the sake of time, um, we're going to leave leave the Meet the Beatles out until <laughs> yeah. we do another. Because
0: honestly, we're going to be here a minute. So, um, so we'll save that
1: for another day. Yes. When we do Maxwell Silverhammer. We'll that's <laughs> right. The, on, the,
0: on the upcoming Maxwell Silverhammer episode. Um, Silverhamel. That's what I said. Maxwell Silverhamel. Uh, so then, okay, this song now, "One Sweet dream section transitions to the next actual song, which is sun King, uh, with some tape loops of like birds and nature sounds. Um, they originally used an organ note, uh, but George Martin, who was their producer, uh, longtime long time producer, I, I think he produced everything of theirs. Is that right? I think if not very, very, very close to all of it. Um, and he was kind of a game changer for, for production, um, Anyway, he ended up changing it from just a single organ note um, to this tape loops of yeah, birds. They went and organ,
1: then they went organ and bass, and then they ended up with the tape loops. There you go. So. All
0: right. Um, any interesting covers that you have of "You Never Give Me Your Money"?
1: Uh, not of that, but I got some I, other covers down.
0: Here, okay. Another one. I found. I found one uh, by Glenn Tilbrook who is the front man of squeeze. And if you don't recognize the band name squeeze, uh, they did the song tempted, tempted by the fruit of another. How can y'all love that song? Uh, so their it's lead singer, song. uh, did a cover of it, uh, with, uh, a group called nine below zero. So, uh, Nine Below Zero, Glenn Tilbrook covered it and also there's a clip on YouTube of uh, Tenacious D doing a little cover of You Never Giving Your Money which is funny I, you know, of course it's funny, it's Tenacious D <clears throat> so that's out there if you want to go find it alright, now let's settle in to our next song which is Sun King uh, this is going to take just a moment to get into, I'm actually going to fast forward a few seconds into it so we can kind of get into the groove here we go yeah. Some very typical but very beautiful layered linen harmonies. vocal harmonies. Yeah, those harmonies are so good. Dude, money. That first when they transition, this, this starts in E and then it kind of settles into C before the vocals come in and then back to E again for the ending of the song. Um and those those harmonies are just mm, just money. I feel like maybe Paul could have tuned the bass before they <laughs> tracked it. I think maybe the bass is a little out. Uh, but uh, it's so good. They have, um, you know, it's such good. Their their voices just layer so well together, um, and they obviously are we're we're masters at um, at putting that stuff on tape. Uh, originally titled "Here Come the Sun King," uh, but they changed it to avoid confusion with George Harrison's contribution to the album "Here Comes the Sun," which was probably a good decision. "Here Comes the Sun" became a big hit classic. Sun King, not so much. Doot and doo-doo. <laughs> um, the guitar you hear at the beginning, the electric guitar, it's kind of sliding around and then it settles in. It's an, it's an add 13 chord over the one chord. So that just means it has an added, if we're in the key of E, uh, it means it has an added C sharp. It's kind of a like Hawaiian sound uh, to just add that 13 into a major chord um and i mean jazz you know you get that all the, all the time in jazz as well uh, but cool guitar vibe with lots of reverb and cross panning at where we, it's moving from one side to another um and they kind of got some inspiration from uh fleetwood Mac's albatross um and i'm you know i'm glad somebody gets inspired by fleetwood Mac. <laughs> it certainly ain't me
1: lindsey buckingham yeah. well done
0: not no, me. No, i'm not a fan yeah
1: my roommate in college loved if zan overman if you're listening (laughs) this little section was for you huge fleetwood mac fan had a stevie nicks poster on his wall like wow yeah that that guy that big that guy
0: okay all right young stevie nicks or old stevie nicks just curious it
1: was kind of the middle stage (laughs) so it was enough where you could say oh you used to be stevie nicks
0: but you're not quite
1: the stevie nicks you are you're not quite a crone
0: yeah okay um so there's a really funny section in this where they just start singing yeah, the some words made up, just made up lyrics. It's like a weird combination of,
1: yeah. Paul knew some words in Spanish, just a few. And yeah. he just throws that in. And then they throw in the chicka ferdy,
0: ferdy yeah. yeah. Which is a, 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 um, Liverpool English phrase. That's sort of like a nan and a boo boo. Um, and, uh, I did, I, I couldn't help, but kind of go down the rabbit hole on this. Um, the Liverpool English, a.k.a. Scouse, if you've ever heard the term Scouse, there's actually a song by the Monkeys called Randy Scouse Git" that I never fully understood what the, that meant until I looked this up. Uh, but there's um, uh, Scouse, a term to use to describe the accents of uh, residents of Liverpool, a.k.a. Liverpudlians.
1: Liverpudlians, not Liverpoolians. No,
0: it's Liverpudlians, the correct term for residents of Liverpool. Uh, and scouse is short for lobscouse which is derived from Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish terms for a stew that sailors often ate and which became associated with the poorer people living in Liverpool in the 1800s. Um so they ate this stew and they called it something that sounded like lobscouse and that got shortened to scouse and that became the term used for liverpudlian accent. And so that is where chicka came comes from uh and these just made up, you know, whatever. Uh very strange. Anyway, <laughs> um but it's fun and now you know what a liverpudlian is. You can use that next time you're playing HQ and trying to win $20,000 with 2 million other people. Um, there's also a portion of, um, the vocals was included as a reversed acapella section and it said, you want to try it? <laughs> you know, it said gnick Nuss which is just sun King backwards. Uh, and it was used on the track in G N I K N U S for the 2006 album *Love*, which the Beatles compilation album, uh, and an instrumental section of *Sun King* was also used at the end of *Octopus's Garden* on the same album. Um, any other notes on *Sun King*? There's not a ton to it. It's just kind of a weird thing, and it, they say, you know, blah blah paparazzo Let's play the let's play the nonsense lyrics just because they're so funny.
2: Show me your
0: let that go straight on into the next song which is mean mr mustard not to be confused with colonel mustard if, from clue for all you clue players out there uh, or martin mull from the the Cl- oh. clue movie which i hear is being remade yeah and interesting uh it's one of my all-time favorite comedies if they screw it up i'm gonna be so mad tim curry is a genius <sighs> if you loved christopher lloyd and back to the future <laughs> you will love him in clue that's <laughs> true he's so good he's professor Plum. Uh, anyway, but not to be confused with any of that yes, no. is Mean Mr. Mustard, mean Mr. Mustard, the next track in the Abbey Road suite, uh, goes straight in, as you heard from the ending of Sun King into Mean Mr. Mustard. It mean Mr. Mustard. It is in the key of E. Uh, it is written by Lennon, although it is tr- attributed as just about everything is to, uh, Lennon slash McCartney. Uh, even the stuff that they wrote solo, they just said. We uh, we both we're are a team. It. Yeah. Which is great. I think that's awesome. That's great. And it's admirable. You wouldn't dare do that now. Like, there's no way. People are scrounging after every little percent of every whatever This is the Ally
1: Mosier podcast.
0: Though. Right? Yeah. The, yeah. So we, absolutely. We're a team. <clears throat> we're a team. Absolutely. Forever. Who gets
1: to be Paul? <laughs>
0: Neither of us wanna be I God. wanna be Ringo. Okay, okay. you
1: could have it. Yeah, you're right. I'll be George. <laughs> this is the Harrison Star <laughs> podcast coming at you here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway. we're the also rans yeah. of the most popular. Um, so this mean Mr. Mustard was recorded as one continuous piece, uh, with Sun King. Uh, it was inspired by an Indian, uh, newspaper story about a, a miserly old man who kind of stored away his cash in random places to avoid being forced to spend it. He didn't want even want people to know he had it. So he just hid it away in random places. Um, And uh, apparently, John Lennon later sort of just turned his back on the song. He just said he didn't like it. He called it, and I believe this is a direct quote, a bit of crap. Um, So, but you know, he was kind of a mercurial guy, I think. He... Later, you know what I'm saying? Pudlians
1: and Mercurial. Yeah. Welcome to your vocab uh, lesson for the day. It just
0: seems like a lot of the early stuff that John did later on in his life, although there wasn't much later on in his life, unfortunately, uh, he sort of said, ah, that stuff all sucked. That was before I really became me, became an artist and whatever, which is sad. I don't like to see that. You know, you don't like to see somebody dump on some really great stuff that they did just because they're bitter about how it ended or... You know, whatever, or because maybe they. I think I don't a lot know. of it
1: was for show, like just trying to sing distance cold. himself. Yes. Like, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, Yoko. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Oh no. I mean.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Zing.
1: The uh I do know that the sister in this song was originally named Shirley. Did yes. You know that? And yep. then they changed it to Pam so it could segue into the next song. That's right
0: because I I remember thinking as I was listening at at one point in listening to this album, I, you know, I've said multiple times the last thing I listen to to pay attention to is the lyric. Uh but at some point, you know, over the years I was listening to the song and I went, "Wait a minute. His sister is Pam and the next song is polything Pam." Is that is she Polythene Pam? She's not, uh, but but they wanted to they wanted to at least ask the question. Um, this song has some really really distorted bass, like the bass throughout this song is extremely disordered, almost to the point where it sounds like a tuba. Like it's like, burr, 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 burr. Paul's playing through a fuzz face. A fu- yeah. Okay. Is he? Okay. No, I don't know. I was well, just, I mean, it makes I, sense. He... Absolutely. It's, I mean, I don't know how, he, how else he would have done it. And he's got this guy, that. He always plays the Hoffner basses, the, Hoffner,
1: the violin bass looking thing. Yeah.
0: And so they always have kind of a, um, lumpy sound, if that makes any sense. Um, So, but that combined with the distortion is really, really something. It kind of sounds like somebody just blowing on a tube. Um, so yeah, um, now there is a version of the, uh, original demo of this song on Beatles Anthology three, uh, in which you can hear that the sister's name was originally Shirley. They kept it in there. And and re-release that demo. How does, know, it years does it and years flow? Does it flow decent? Can you tell? Uh, I you know, I haven't yeah, heard it heard. uh because um I don't have Anthology 3. Um But uh, you know, I let's see. His sister Shirley works in yeah. a you know, yeah. it's something it like that, I imagine. Um so yeah, but they changed it to Pam just to mess with your head and make it sound like it had something to do with with the other song. Um originally uh, mean Mr. Mustard was supposed to end on a D major chord and transition into the song Her Majesty, which ended up not being part of this at all, but does finish out the album after this is over. Um, and so we're going to cover it at the end uh, because otherwise we'll never get to. We're never never going to do an, an episode on Her Majesty because it's like 15 seconds long, but it's amazing and I love it. And I, I'm, I'm psyched to talk about it. Um, there is some cool multimeter stuff in the second verse of this. We've talked a little bit about multimeter before where uh, you just sort of change time signatures out in the middle of nowhere. Um, in the second verse, um, let's play you just a little bit about it and then, then we're going to talk about it. Takes him out to look at the queen Only place that he's ever been
2: Always shout out something obscene
0: Okay, so that uh, what I'm talking about is they are on the dirty old man section, um, <laughs> which is funny just to say. Um, they go from a straight four four into a six eight groove, um, and I learned this in in high school, and I've, it's always stuck stuck with me, and you never forget it, uh, kids. When you're out there switching meters, this is the thing you need to hold on to: is that the eighth note doesn't change. The eighth note is the uh axis upon which the time signature swings so he's going one and two and three and four and right those are the eighth notes one and two and three and four and one two three four five six one two three four five six one and two and three so his hi hat if you listen to his hi hat it never changes it's going Da, 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 da. It's going, you know, you can go back and forth, and as long as you're locked into the eighth note time signature changes don't have to be a big thing. You know, you can play songs that go, I remember we used to play songs that would go back and forth from like five, eight to seven, eight to four, four and whatever. And it's cool. As long as you know, the eighth note stays the same. Always let the eighth note be your guide. I think is what, uh, the Disney always let your, always let your conscience <laughs> be your guide. Be your is your
2: that your Always cat. let
0: your something. There's something about it. There's letting somebody, some them, yeah. something be your guide. I don't know. Um, so I always thought that was cool. I thought Ringo just handled it like a pro. You know what I mean? There's drummers out there that would have freaked out if you told them we're going to go from four four to six eight, but not my boy Ringo, not my dude Ringo.
1: You can't see me rolling my eyes on the podcast. <laughs> you
0: can hear it. I think I think they all heard it. <laughs> the silence because is they going were doing it too. They heard the sound of their own eyeballs rolling, <laughs> and they thought they said, "I bet JP is doing this thing."
1: Hot dog <laughs> toppings: mustard, ketchup, relish. What do you pick? What do you yes. pick? Yes. Yes to all. Uh, yeah. My wife puts mayonnaise on I hot do too. dogs.
0: What? Yep. Mayonnaise.
1: If you're listening out there, do you think it's weird to put mayonnaise on hot dogs? I go mustard I do. and
0: I go mustard and mayonnaise. Those are my like prerequisites. If if you give me any choice, those are the first two things I'm gonna say. If I can't get mayonnaise, then I'll go mustard ketchup, relish, whatever, whatever. But ideally, really just mustard and mayonnaise. I'm good. It's Corn fine. dogs versus hot dogs, preference. Hot dogs.
1: Really, I, I would
0: probably pick corn dogs. Somewhere in my life, I soured on corn dogs. Sonic, that did. Probably. Yeah. They're like 50 cent corn dogs. I'll have eight. <laughs> Never again. Okay. Never again, Sonic. Um, S- Segues must be quick on this because we have so much to cover. Ah, we're fine. We're almost at the halfway point. Everybody. Everybody's having a blast. Uh, okay, so let's get straight in from Mean Mr. Mustard into Polythene Pam. These things transition uh, kind of straight into each other. So let's take a listen. Here is Polythene Pam. So that is Polythene Pam. Um, it is not about mean me Mr. Mustard's sister. Um, she's just she's just a lady. She's she's a lady who likes to wrap up in plastic. So yeah, uh, John Lennon says this is the story of of the song uh, that it's a kind of a stretched version of a real encounter uh, with uh, a. a, a Situation where a man was trying to basically hook him up with a woman in a hotel room uh, and she was wearing poly polythene, a.k.a. polyethylene, a.k.a. plastic. I heard a completely different
1: story. Really, on what this song is about?
0: Do you I, tell, because th- now this is what combined. This may be the story that you have. To tell your story about the
1: Beatles fan. Yes, there's a Beatles fan named Pat Dawson who would eat plastic material. Yes, and the Beatles called him called her polythene pan. Polythene
0: pan. Yeah, yeah polythene Pat. Pat. And yes, and, and, and that got yeah, combined with this lady who uh, who this guy was trying to hook John Lennon up, who was wearing some weird plastic outfit. And they just sort of combined those two things together and got Polythene Pam.
1: They also, he also wrote this one in India as well. Too. Yes, uh, at yeah. the same,
0: same, same trip as did, he wrote Me and Did you hear Mr. that Mr.
1: The, Mr. the guitar part, they stole it from uh, from the Who's Pinball Wizard? And oh, to, the, the acoustic thing? Yep,
0: yep, I got gotcha, you. That's funny. From Pinball's Wizard. So Are you a Who fan? No. No, not, not at all.
1: No. I like right. a few of them. They're, they're okay. I, I mean, can, I can listen, listen to the I mean, greatest I'll, hits. I'm not a super fan. I'm am a I'm a neutrality. I'll listen to the Who, but I'll never... I've say, never a diehard fan.
0: I've never sat down and listened to Tommy, and I feel like I should. F- top to bottom. Sure. I'm a big fan of concept records in general. I need to sit down and listen to Tommy. I like
1: Pete Townsend's stage presence Yeah, and, um, to a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a huge huge fan. I have seen Roger Daltrey live. Yeah. So I'm open for Clapton actually the first nice. time. Nice. Oh, that's
0: solid. That's, that's a solid show. tour right yeah, there. That's a big show. Um there's a cool thing at this that I, I'm a big fan of when records are imperfect especially the more and more that we get into uh, the digital age where just everything is really, really, really perfect on recordings. I'm a fan of when people leave little hiccups or vocal imperfections in. Um, and so there's a, there's a thing at the about 44 seconds into polythene Pam where Paul is doing like a bass slide and he comes up a little bit short. He doesn't quite make it. Um, and the, uh, George Harrison and George Martin, the Georges, if you will, uh, Georges Harrison and Martin said uh, it felt good for the song. So they convinced him to leave it in. And um, so good for them. I say that's awesome. That's great.
1: That's so funny because right after that, somebody picks up a tambourine in there and you can hear Paul say, yeah. In the background. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
0: yeah, cool man. Go for it. There's several things like that. Actually, we were talking off air about there's a spot in Maxwell silver hammer, which I better talk about now because we're never going to do this (laughs) podcast, but there's a spot in Maxwell silver hammer where Paul is delivering a line. Uh, and he says, uh, the teacher asks, uh, Maxwell to stay behind and write his name on a chalkboard. And in the studio, when he said the word behind, uh, John mooned him through the glass of the vocal booth, and uh, it made him laugh. And the laugh comes through in his next line. He, you can hear him laughing as he's singing. And they just left it in. They're like, "It's fine. I can't imagine doing thirty-six takes of a song. And oh, let's keep the one where, let's I, keep laugh. The one where I laugh. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's Number keep 30's. the one where you mooned me. But it's cool. I love that they did that. Like, I'm so glad that they did. It's it's awesome. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff like that in this. <laughs>
1: song portion. Yeah. Do you have some others on? Go, no, go for it. Um, and at the final notes of the guitar solo, Lennon's like, well, listen to that mall, which is referring to mall Evans, who's the road manager of the Beatles. Yeah. And Lennon last follows by saying, look out. And um, there's a, a, you should before the transition in there too.
0: Yeah. And I think that's actually getting a little bit into the next song, uh, which is she came in through the bathroom window. Let's take a listen. I'm a big fan of "She Came In Through the Bathroom Window." I'm not a fan of like home invasion or <laughs> like B and E's in general. I'm not a fan, but I'll let Paul take one for the team so that so that this song can happen. Uh, you want to tell a little bit back, back, background on this song? You got you got some sure, interesting I notes. A little
1: bit. Um, it was inspired by the Apple Scruffs or the people that that hung around the studio, and one of them actually broke into Paul's home, is what I have on that. Yep. Is mm-hmm. that you may have some more on that. Just yeah.
0: Diane Ashley was one of the apple scruffs and she and some others found a ladder in Paul's garden while he wasn't home. Uh, and they used it to climb up to a bathroom window that was kind of slightly open. Um, Diane went in first and then she opened up the front door and everybody else came in and they just partied in Paul's house for a while. Um, and uh, there's, let's see, I think McCartney's neighbors attempted to contact him when they realized the break-ins were taking place. Uh, and that is what inspired the lines uh, Sundays on the phone to Monday, Tuesdays on the phone to me, which is kind of a weird line. It sings well, but it's unless you kind of know, you know where, what to connect it connected to. It doesn't make much sense. Um, and uh, got some covers on this one. There are some good covers. I like
1: the Joe Cocker one. Yeah. yeah. Race, jo- race Joe did. Cocker hit
0: the he reached the top 30 on the Billboard top 40 in 1970, which I always think is funny when, it's so close. A well-known artist covers that's literally like within a year of this coming out, Joe Cocker hit the top 30 with it. It's weird. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, other covers. You got other covers?
1: Ray Stevens.
0: Yes. It's good. Big fan. Yeah. Big I'm fan. A, I'm a Ray Stevens fan too. Uh, Ike and Tina Turner.
1: Oh, I didn't see that one.
0: And uh, the Bee Gees, who have covered several songs sure. off this album with, uh, as part of a kind of a project an, you know, a tribute project.
1: I did have the worst cover. Have you the Lost Lonely Boys? Yes, one? that's <laughs> I, awful. I was
0: just assuming that was going to be the worst yeah, one. Um, a, not a huge one. fan. Yeah, not a huge fan. Um, so yeah, Lennon and McCartney were in New York in May 1968 to announce the formation of Apple Corps. That is Apple C O R P S, uh, but it is Apple Corps. Um, it's a pun. You get it? It's an ap- Apple Corps. Okay. Anyway. In October that year, uh, when the White Album had been completed, McCartney flew to the city once again to see a young lady named Linda Eastman. Uh, who would later become Linda McCartney? At the end of his two-week stay, uh, McCartney was in a taxi heading to JFK Airport, and at the time, he needed a final verse. For she came in through the bathroom window, and he noticed that the uh, driver's police uh, like badge or his like ID panel on the on the dashboard, uh, and the ID had a photograph of the driver uh, along with the name Eugene Quits. His name was Eugene Quits above the words New York police department. And that's where he got the line. So I quit the police department, which are part of the, um, uh, the lyrics to that song. This was, um, So, and he said, okay, this is what he said. This is a quote from him. He said, so I got, so I quit the police department, which are part of the lyrics to that. This was the great thing about the randomness of it all. If I hadn't been in this guy's cab, or if it hadn't been someone else driving, the song would have been different. Also, I had a guitar there so I could solidify it into something straight away. So he literally just saw this guy's name, Eugene quits. Oh, I got quit, quits the police department. That's funny. I'll just turn this into a song. Um, that happens to be about a break in at my house. It's interesting. Uh, there are now. I read some wild conspiracy theories about like what this song actually means. Like if you get into like Beatles fan sites and whatever, everybody's got an opinion on what they think this song means, and it's got into some crazy stuff that like it was about a. A, um, I can't even remember some, some, some stuff was like really dark and kind of grim and like, I don't know, grizzly. Anyway, weird. Um, a, uh, this was recorded as a, as a set alongside polythene Pam. They go straight into each other and the take you are hearing as the keeper was the 39th, the 39th take. I don't know how many they actually did, but the 39th one was the keeper. Let me tell you, they were paying for some studio time. The Beatles, they didn't just come in and like you know set up shop and boom, 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 and we're done. You know, there's some bands that are like, if you if you can't play it right the first or second time, we shouldn't be in the studio yet. Not the Beatles, no sir.
1: Well, by then in their career, they've got enough uh, enough back. Funding that they're yeah, okay. when sure. you get to Abbey Road now. On Meet the Beatles, they were probably
0: that's true. They probably recorded Meet the Beatles in an hour. Yeah, the whole <laughs> album, one take, do it all. Yeah. That's true. But here they can set up shop and basically do a lot of the writing and stuff, even in the studio, uh, and and especially a lot of the arrangement and you know um, that kind of stuff. So. There is a slightly slower version of this song available on Beatles Anthology 3, which I guess I'm just going to have to go yeah. get. <laughs> keep referencing uh, it. Because there keep being all these references to it. Um, I do like how... Okay, so the chord progression on here is... Um, she came in through the bathroom. We're in the key of uh, D... No, I'm sorry, the key of A. Uh, we're in the key of A. And the verse is is just a 4-1-4-1. So it's D major to A major. She came in through the bathroom, D, A, D, right, okay. And then the chorus is a 4 minor, 1. Didn't anybody tell her? That's a D minor, back to the 1. It's just 4-1-4-1-4-1. Bass is doing the same thing the whole time, but it's D major in the verse, D minor in the chorus. Uh, The first verse emphasizes the four chord with crashes and stuff like that. Like as the beginning of a phrase, the verse emphasizes the, the, the four chord, the, the second, I'm sorry. The first verse emphasizes the four chord with crashes as the beginning of a That's phrase. That's why
1: I would have originally thought the song was in D and it's one five.
0: Yes. That's why but it's not. Okay. It's an a, and the second verse emphasizes the one chord. So it's, <laughs> so it's okay. Should we listen? Let's okay. Real quick. Here's here's the first here's the first verse. Four. Four. okay. And then we get into the second verse and listen to where the crashes are
2: though.
0: It just gives a slightly different feel to the phrases. Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if they did it on purpose or if it's just a thing, you know what I mean? Sometimes Ringo's just out there (laughs) doing his thing and they're like, ah, he's just being Ringo, you know, just let him, it'll be fine. Um, so I just thought that was cool. I think it's cool that the, if the the chorus feels different, right? Didn't anybody tell her? It just gives her, but it's really just the same root notes, just a different, it's just a different voicing. It's just a minor, minor voicing instead of a one. Um, So, very cool. I think this is a cool song. Weird story. It's very strange that it... I guess it's not so strange that it happened. People break in. People break... They get obsessed and they're like, Paul opened his window and there's a ladder! Ah!" So, you know, that's what I would do at Weird Al's house. We all know. We all know I'd break into Weird Al's house if I could. I don't
1: see Rob crawling through a bathroom.
0: (laughs) It was a big old bathroom window. The bathroom was huge. Uh, The window was three times the size of a man anyway. Uh, so here the, the, um, the whole Abbey road suite kind of takes a pause, uh, for a second. It's, it kind of straightens up its necktie a little bit. And, uh, I guess, you know, it had to put its kid to bed, and so uh, we're getting into a kind of a different vibe, Um, and so she came into the bathroom window, just sort of gently gives way, it really kind of has its own ending, Um, and we get into the next song, which is a beautiful little lullaby called Golden Slumbers. Which is my favorite. It's gorgeous. section of the whole suite. Check it out. Yeah, this is where, uh, let's listen, and then we'll get into it. Once there's a way
2: to get back homeward. Once there's a way to get back home. Sleep pretty, darling, do not cry. And I will sing a lullaby. Fill your eyes, smiles awake you when you rise, sleepy darling. Do not cry,
0: and I will sing a lullaby. Yeah, it's so good. It's awesome. It's just beautiful. Uh, I don't know why he gets so into it on the on the chorus part. And the lyrics
1: don't match the vote like what is like sleep pretty yeah. di- if somebody sang that to me at night, I would wake up swinging.
0: Like, shut up, man. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> I to go to sleep. Yeah. It's like I just imagine. I'm gonna
1: say yeah, la la la.
0: I just imagine like like putting putting my kid down in a you know in their like bassinet or whatever, and I'm like, hush little baby, don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you a yeah yeah yeah. shaking it. <laughs> Woo hoo! <laughs>
1: yeah
0: oh I'm sorry I forgot the purpose of what we're doing here I'm supposed to be putting you to sleep I, this song was so good I just got into it and uh, you know sorry about that let's try again it's like again. uncle that
1: comes over and plays with the kids and gives them candy he's like yeah okay it's time to go to bed right you're like, like
0: alright tell Uncle Bernie Night Night he's like here's a peppermint <laughs> here's that strawberry candy. Where does that strawberry oh, know, candy come so from? Juicy but, in the middle
1: of some, every person over the age of 93 has some in their pocket. They do. It's like, take some pocket lit and a strawberry candy. Yes.
0: You just get issued that. Mm-hmm. I think it comes with like your monthly AARP package yeah. in the mail. There's like, all right, here's your, you know, here's your five strawberry candies for the month. Give them out wisely. Right. Only to the best children. That's right. Only to the best children. The rest you got to get
1: where there's originals. <laughs> exactly.
0: You got, they do the fake handshake or the like, Hey, buddy how you doing and then you go to shake their hand and all of a sudden there's a delicious strawberry candy in it so good and it's gonna get stuck mm. in
1: the back of your teeth It's yes. going to happen,
0: but it, you're gonna love it because right. <laughs> it's delicious strawberry syrup um yeah. anyway golden, golden slumbers, slumbers. Uh, is in the key of c it was recorded as one piece with the following track carry that weight uh written by paul attributed of course to lennon slash mccartney it was recorded in only 15 takes uh <laughs> With 13 and 15 being kept.
1: Lennon wasn't even there when they recorded this. Right. One he came back in later. Because of the motorcycle accident. That's there's right. Motorcycle accident, so he was, wasn't even there.
0: That's right. He'd been injured in a motorcycle. He came back and, and did um, overdubs. Um, it was recorded without the like, string section, and they came back and did that later. Um, there's, I guess, some contention among Beatles fans as to do we like the strings or not? Like some people feel like the strings on some of this, and especially on let it be were too much, uh, the orchestration, do you care? Does it doesn't bother me? doesn't bother you either nah, way.
1: thickens it up a little bit and I don't mind it.
0: I have, they, it, to the point where they, they released about maybe 10 years ago or so, a version of the let it be album called let it be dot, dot, dot naked. Have you seen this? No, is it
1: without, and it is right? without
0: the orchestral mm. arrangements. It's just the bare tracks, you know, just, uh, Bass drums, piano and guitars and, uh, you know, stuff like that. No strings. Um, And so it's a different, uh, definitely a different vibe, you know, Um, but apparently some people just not big fans of the they felt like the strings sort of undermined the got in the way of like just hearing the song. So and there's a lot you start, you you hear it without them and you go, oh, there really were like a ton of, you know, uh, strings going on. Anyway, I think they're sweet. Especially on a lullaby, like right. whatever, um, <clears throat> Golden Slumbers" based on the 1603 poem cradle song by Thomas Decker. And, uh, the story goes that Paul saw the sheet music for a, a version of the poem that had been harmonized and sort of turned into a song on his father's piano or his sister's piano. Do, do you have the, I don't know if it's the father's or sister's, um, and he created his own melody. He can't read music or couldn't at the time. He may be able to now, but why, why would you? If Anyway, um, so and he just liked the lyrics and made his own melody. And um, and and thus Golden Slumbers were born. Uh, the original poem starts Golden Slumbers. Kiss your eyes. Smiles awake you when you rise. Sleep pretty wantons. Not. Wontons, <laughs> Chinese food. Yes. This was before the advent of the like Chinese takeout where you would have had, uh, references to that anyway. Uh, cause it's 1603 sleep. Pretty wantons do not cry. And I will sing a lullaby. <clears throat>
1: um, you get one soup at a Chinese <laughs> restaurant. Do you pick egg drop, no, wonton, or sweet and sour?
0: Yeah, hot and sour every hot and time sour, for yeah, me. Sorry, hot and sour. Th- it's never a I question. I obviously don't
1: get it since I call yeah. it sweet and sour, <laughs> which is the chicken.
0: Right? Yes. No. Never a question for me. I hate egg drop. Hate. I wonton. always go egg drop. Wow! That's I can't fair. stand it. I always hot and sour every single time. So sleep pretty wontons. Do not cry, and I will sing a lullaby. Um, uh, <clears throat> covers for this one include, uh, covers by the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton for the Sgt. Peppers, uh, film and, uh, Jennifer Hudson for the animated movie mm. Sing, uh, did a cover of Golden Slumbers. Also, there's one set of covers that I'm holding back on cause I'm going to, I'm going to dig into a amazing set of covers, uh, here in just a minute. And so Golden Slumbers, uh, gives right in to the next song, which is Carry That Weight. Let's hear the transition uh, and then we'll talk about Carry That Weight. Falling, do not
1: cry. So I to play,
2: And I will and sing on a lullaby, lullaby. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So me and JP were literally, it looked like we were sitting around a pub slinging glasses around, singing this like, uh, it's almost like a madrigal seafaring song where you have to have a turtleneck sweater and a beard and a pipe and a patch over one eye. And we're named McFarley. <laughs> and named McFarley at McFarley's pub. Boy, you're going to carry that weight. Carry that weight a long time. Good. Yar. Thanks for stopping um, by, Mr. McFarley. <laughs> Special guest today, Mr. McFarley. Uh, He's a Liverpudlian. He is. Uh, He eats lots of scouse. Uh, Anyway, uh, Carry That Weight also in the key of C, coming straight in from the previous tune. Uh, George Harrison actually played bass on this song, um, which, I you know, not a big stretch, but it's just unusual. Usually you got Paul, but Paul's on keys uh, for this one. It features unison vocals from all four Beatles, uh, which is uh, not something they did very often as far as the unison vocals. Uh, you know, you heard them doing harmonies all the time, but unison vocals, AKA gang vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, according to Paul, uh, it was the It was the song was about the troubles that the Beatles were having sort of internally and with their burgeoning business at Apple Corps. Um, Paul said it was just a moment where he just didn't feel like being upbeat about things like he's normally a kind of a, you know, happy go lucky guy. And he was just having a day. He was just having a give Paul a day, everybody, you know, everybody just just leave him alone. He's got to carry that weight, you know,
1: a long time, a
0: long time, a long time. Uh, also they were doing a lot of acid. So, um, it has been also been postured that the song is an acknowledgement that whatever that the individual Beatles did in the future would be under the shadow or weight Mm. of their run as the Beatles. In other words, we're never going to outrun the success we had as the Beatles, no matter what we go on to do, uh, how successful we are, we're always going to be thought of as, I was the Beatles drummer, I was the Beatles guitarist, you know, whatever. Um, do you agree? Do you think do you think any uh, you of think them out, outlived
1: out yeah. on their own solo yeah. Yeah. with their career or at least can stand alone. I think McCartney can stand alone. I
0: think McCartney can.
1: <laughs> I I was too young when John Lennon... you know what I mean? Like yeah. Here, uh, when the I height think, of his
0: I think Lennon had one song that outlived the Beatles. Imagine and the yeah, and the rest is Sort of lost to history, minus the awful Christmas song, "Uh, (laughs) that happy Happy Xmas" war is over. Just the most brutal thing. Rolling
1: Stone loved them some John Lennon. They do,
0: and you know what? Cool people love Lennon. I get it. That's fine. It's it's whatever. I'm a Paul guy. I don't I don't make any bones about it. And obviously, Lennon had some great stuff, but I feel like Imagine is his legacy, and Paul has a ton more. You know what I mean? Of course, and he's lived forty more years. So or a whatever yeah so anyway um because what lennon died in 1980 right mm-hmm. is that right yeah so um but i feel like paul definitely he carried that weight a long time <laughs> but he got out from under it eventually yeah. um and this okay so this song is our first callback let's take a listen here uh a callback Born to fiction. you never give me your money which was from the very beginning of our little suite here check it out That was me saying that on that, I, I don't know if you knew, that wasn't from the original I track.
2: My I only send you my invitations, and in the
0: middle
2: of the set.
0: So that's cool. That's a little callback to say, hey, we did all this on purpose. Like, Never underestimate the old guy with the trumpet. Never. (laughs) That's right. Never. And there he was. He's like, somebody need a trumpet solo? There we go. I gotcha.
1: I heard that the guitar part is a reference to Badge, the Clapton song, because Harrison actually played guitar on Badge with Clapton. Huh. And so the the little melodies that he does there and the tone and everything is a, is a throwback
0: to badge. That's cool. Well, it ends with, uh, the chord progression and the guitar riff from the end of one sweet dream. So there's another reference, uh, which is part of, you never give me your money, uh, in what becomes a measure of five, eight time. You want to listen? Let's take a listen.
2: Ringo.
0: Play it again, Ringo. <laughs> hey. Go, Ringo. So much bass drum. Okay, enough. Calm down, Ringo. Chill out, chill out. Uh, okay, so... So we're now
1: in the end. The end. Um, this is the only Ringo drum solo in the entire catalog.
0: Amazing. Astonishing that they only gave him this one is solo. One you
1: know, he doesn't like playing solos. Did you hear that uh, when he recorded it, he actually recorded it with a guitar and a tambourine and they muted the other... In the mix. Yeah, in the That's mix. That's interesting. What drummer drum hates with... solos? Ringo. Ringo. I don't know any other. I can't think of anyone. And everybody, they just want to point and you say, you know,
0: yeah. Bob Smith, play it. You're Go whatever. for it, man. Everybody wants to, man. But yeah, Ringo, not as much. He's not very flashy, you know. Ringo, it just keeps to himself.
1: <laughs> Paul, <laughs> thanks for stopping <laughs> in. That is awesome. Did you see McFarley on your way <laughs> in? You just missed him. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, other uh, eighteen bars of lead guitar. In this next song, yeah, pretty um, interesting
0: the way it's done too. Love it
1: the the different solo sections and everything. Um, I think the first two are McCartney, right? Kind of the bends yep. and the kind of the bendy bendy guitar solos. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, second two is Harrison, kind of a more melodic, right? And the third two is kind of the Lennon more distorted
0: very distorted
1: um, distorted tape. It was like let's rock. Yeah. so two two sections of McCartney two sections of Harrison two sections of Lennon yep. um, so they all got their their own solo piece
0: Yep. Um, I got a great I found a great quote from Jeff Emmerich who is the uh, engineer he said the idea for guitar solos was very spontaneous and everybody said yes definitely well except for George who was a little apprehensive at first but he saw how excited John and Paul were so he went along with it truthfully I think they rather liked the idea of playing together, not really trying to outdo one another per se, but engaging in some real musical bonding. Because obviously, at this point, there were some a lot of tensions. The Beatles were falling apart. Um, so he he continues. Uh, Yoko was about to go into the studio with John. This was commonplace by now, and he actually told her, "No, not now. Let me just do this. It'll just take a minute." That surprised me a bit. Maybe he felt like he was returning to his roots with the boys. Who knows? Uh, and then he, he says the order was Paul first, then George, then John. They went back and forth. They ran down their ideas a few times. And before you knew it, they were ready to go. Their amps were lined up together, and we recorded their parts on one track. You could really see the joy in their faces as they played. It was like they were teenagers again. One take was all we needed. The musical telepathy between them was mind-boggling.
1: That's cool. That's
0: a very cool story. That's cool. Uh,
1: yeah, I never... That's,
0: it's, that's like a... Ha- it almost gives you... thumbs sums up the end. Happy. yeah yeah I got
1: chills My arm hairs standing
0: up <laughs> so it's good to see like it's very cool to, to have a moment like that because you know the Beatles are falling apart and everything is not great but for them to have like one last one. hurrah as just being the boys uh, to the point where John told Yoko don't yeah, come into yeah, the studio that's, funny right that's there. serious yeah. like that was that's some serious business right there um and of course uh the end uh, it's got a chord progression at the beginning, which I, I love. Uh, okay. It's in it's, A, right? It's in the key of A. Uh, it was recorded Amen. in seven takes, uh, and it was stretched later during the overdub phase. Um, this was the last song recorded collectively by the Beatles. Uh, I, Me, Mine from Let It Be was recorded later, but did not include John. So, um, this was the last one recorded by all four Beatles. <sighs> Sad times.
1: How great that it's the end. I mean that cool it's called, yeah, yeah it's, it just worked out
0: yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's like they knew. Um, yeah. So, um, I love the chord progression at the beginning over the, Oh yeah. All right. Okay. That's a one. Uh, let's see the beginning key. Oh, a one, one, four, two, five, And then it goes, uh, two major. Ba-da-da. Uh, it's very cool. Anyway, but that uh, that one four to a two major five, okay, one four two major five, okay, is a great example of what is called a secondary dominant chord. Um, so that
1: would be a B major.
0: It'd be a B major in the key of A, so it's going A D B e, major E, e yeah. Um, and so it's called a secondary dominant chord. A dominant chord is uh, in the key of like uh, not in the key, but in in a scale is the five chord in a scale. So if we're in the key of A, uh, the the five chord would be the E, and an E dominant chord would be like an E seven chord, um, and it really the the added seven telegraphs to your ear that you're going to the going one back to the one yeah and the, the dominant to tonic uh, resolution or cadence the five one five seven to the one is the strongest indicator to your ear there's all kinds of there's plagal cadence and different ways that are traditionally you get back to the one um, but the the dominant to the one is the one that your ear knows immediately where the next chord is going to be if
1: you're playing at home it's probably easier if you play a c and then play a g7 to lead into exactly it so that
0: ba, you can hear where we're going ba, ba. it so. tells your ear you know Here what's coming come. next yeah. and so a secondary dominant is when you take a uh a major two chord that telegraphs to your ear that one the, the five, five chord is coming yeah and so that's what they do there that one four two five the major two tells your ear that a five chord is coming next uh so very good cool example of that a lot of uh, a lot of old country songs you'll hear some great secondary dominant like in the middle of a verse they'll do a it'll resolve to a five chord and then they'll kind of reset the verse and do it again and resolve to the one the second time anyway nobody cares but it was in my notes so i had to say it <laughs> uh, of course, this song ends with the famous line, uh, and in the end, you know what? Why don't we just... Why don't we just let the Beatles handle it? So good um some great chords there you don't like the way Ringo comes I can't in I stand the way Ringo You're comes like,
1: in I want him to come in earlier oh sorry yeah I can't stand the way he comes in. I want him to come in earlier um I feel like he <laughs> waits and he's like oh he's
0: oh. <laughs> <You're> like <"Kabantabam, laughs> yeah. boom. I'm here sorry guys <laughs> fell asleep I'm sorry um yeah, uh, the, the chords there are great. you got a one, then a two major over the one, and then a my, a flat three over the one. It's just very cool. Some multimeter stuff in there, sneaky, going into 6-8 and back again, but it's keeping it very chill. Uh, not going to get into all that. But uh, but anyway, but the best thing about that line is, without that line, the classic uh, Chris Farley, Paul yeah. McCartney <laughs> yeah. sketch from SNL might <laughs> never have been as funny. Uh, if you've never seen the Paul McCartney... Uh, Chris Farley show sketch That's from Saturday awesome. Night Live. You owe it to yourself. Find it on YouTube or Vimeo, whatever you got to do. Uh,
1: Paul is dead. Paul is dead.
0: <laughs> Paul McCartney sits down with Chris Farley, and he just keeps asking him the most inane questions. He's like, he's so nervous. He's so nervous. He's he's like, hey, um, Paul, hey, Paul, you remember, you remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> anyway, it's hilarious. I'm not going to do the whole sketch. Um, but I could, uh, Hey, Chris Farley, thanks for not stopping by. You're dead. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Uh, Okay. Um, this song, I thought this was a cool footnote on this song. It has been used by several radio stations as the final song that they played before going off the air for good. So they were like, we're closing, shutting down. The last thing we're going to play is the end.
1: So if you go into work and they're playing this, it's not a good stuff. <laughs> <That's right>. Like <laughs> you walk like, into your you're going to play the heavy road suite. It's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm
2: okay. You
0: walk into your uh, your job at your Fortune 500 yeah. company and uh they start playing the end and then you look, you also are watching the stock ticker yeah. and you see your company tanking. Yeah. Oh no, it's happening. It's a good movie It's movie. happening. Robin JP warns me. Um the end. Did you say it's a good movie?
1: I said that was a good movie. Oh, scene. oh, oh. I
0: got you. I got you. Okay. No. I thought you were saying The End was a good movie. Like, this is The End. Oh, no. Uh, it was a okay. terrible movie. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat>
1: Her Majesty? Her go Majesty. Go so, okay. This is, all, the, this is all you.
0: That is the official end of the Abbey Road suite. Um, <clears throat> and.
1: So, here's a bonus track for you. So, here's
0: a bonus track. This is possibly the original Hidden Song. This is definitely one of the first examples, Her Majesty. I'm just going to play the whole song uh, it's because short. it's 20 seconds long. Let me play it for you, and then we're going to talk about it for just a second. Her
2: Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I got to a belly full of wine. She's a pretty nice girl Someday I'm gonna make a
0: mine Oh yeah Someday I'm gonna make a mine Okay, and that that you heard at the end was not me cutting the track off that's early. How it is. That's literally how it ends, which I think is maybe the most perfect ending for the Beatles. Like after all this beautiful stuff we've made, we end it with Gunk. that's literally that cadence that we were just talking about supposed to go everybody knows what's coming next da, 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 bop, bop. but it just leaves out the last note. I think it's hilarious. Uh, it's so funny. This is in the key of D. Uh, it is one of the first, if not the first, examples of a hidden track in rock music. Um, do you have, while well, I'm talking, oh, think man. about your favorite yeah. hidden oh, tracks man, if you've I'm got them. This, yeah. It used to be a huge deal, right? I mean, I feel like 90s was, early 2000s was peak for hidden tracks. And then once the digital age happened, how are you going to do it now? How are you going to do a hidden track anymore? You can't go on iTunes and hide a track. Uh, so once CDs started you know, becoming less and less important, you started to lose the hidden tracks. But eventually it got to the point where I heard a track played and I don't understand. I know there's dual layering and all this stuff. I heard a track played once that you had to go like, let's say track 11 was the last track on the song. You had to go from 11 to track 12 and then rewind. And when you rewound your disc, it went to a layer that was written under the previous layer, under track 11, and would play you a hidden song. Oh, that's smart. Like, mean? I mean, it was serious there for a minute. It was like, it's like, you know how you go to a Marvel movie and you're just waiting for the post credit scene? Sure. You just know it's an established thing you're going to get. That's the way it was with a lot of albums. For a while, there was just a hidden track. And you just couldn't wait to see what it was. Like, oh, I wonder what the hidden track is going to be. There might be multiples. You know, there, I had a, oh gosh, what album was it? I had some album that had like three hidden tracks. And it was incredible. It was the Channel Surfers. Tell me oh you remember goodness. the channel surfers. Yeah. Wow. Um, I guarantee you probably me and JP are the only people Holy, listening yeah. who remember the channel surfers. Um,
1: my hidden track album is another obscure one that there's song off an album. It was off the Corrine Crow album by Mark Broussard. Y'all don't know who Mark Broussard. He does a uh, home. Yeah. Um, so, take me home. Whatever that one is. Yeah. He's got some hits. I, 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 yeah. I bet some folks he, listen to No Brunk, On that yourself. album, he had a song called Gavin's Song that was track 49. It was the I Wish You Freedom. It's a beautiful song. It's all slow and pretty and junk after he's just rocked your face <laughs> off. pretty and junk. After he's just had your foot stomping and clapping your hand. <laughs> it's really nice. So, that was my most memorable. A hidden track that I can think of nice. off the top of my head what was yours other than the channel surfers do you have another
0: one um, you know honestly I'm not real sure that I have one off the top of my head I should have probably thought about it maybe <laughs> written it down yeah I maybe should have made, but no so I can't I, think of. I can't think of a one doesn't. Y'all just are listening, and mind. there's a
1: really good hidden track. Let us know. Let us know, let please. Let us know which one we should listen
0: to. Send us a tweet at Great Song Pod, at Worship Nerd, at PennyTrader10, and let us know your favorite hidden track of all time. Because um, that's what Her Majesty was. It's just a 23 second hidden track at the end of this magnum opus, Abbey Road. Side conversation here for a second Best Beatles album, go for you your th- opinion
1: different ones for different reasons i like let it be only be- i like let it be only because of the long and winding roads probably my favorite song okay. but album as a whole probably go white album okay probably go white album All how right. about you
0: uh abbey road for me is the peak yeah. um let it be i feel like has very high highs and low lows the stuff that's not great on let it be is just awful sure. i f- i hate i hate the stuff that's not good um
1: I actually probably listened more to Magical Mystery Tour when I was younger, just because that was one of the first ones that I had. I had yeah. that one in Past Masters, so like that was the only actual album of theirs that I had versus yeah. collections and collaborations.
0: Where do you put Sgt. Pepper's?
1: Not high, really. Um, no, not- like
0: generally not high.
1: <laughs> like not
0: just like not just not at the top, but really not toward the top even.
1: Um, I'd say mid, upper middle maybe, but wow. not not in the top top few.
0: That is, you know, that is the Rolling Stone mm-hmm. number one album of all time. Sure. Uh, Sergeant Peppers and, you know, regarded by many as the greatest album of all time. It's like one and one A being what, what Sergeant Peppers and Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. What
1: year was Sergeant Peppers released? Do we know? S-
0: uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. It's mid late sixties. That's Mid-l- all I know. Cause it was yeah, funny
1: like. if it was 40 years ago today. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> if funny. We're in 2018
0: for those of yeah. you that are listening. Yeah, I um, like, I think Sergeant Peppers is great, um, but there's just parts of it that don't hold up for me as well as, uh, of course, then again, I'm the guy that likes Maxwell Silver Hammer. Sure. So maybe I'm not the best, whatever. But for me, Abbey Road, then Sergeant Peppers. Um, and then we can talk about white album or let it be or whatever. Revolver. You're a big revolver fan, right? I, I you like, like revolver.
1: revolver? I, I, the reason I like the white, album, I love while my, my guitar gently weeps. That's yeah. obviously a, one of my favorites. So you're getting
0: your I'm albums are being boosted based on based single songs, off the
1: songs that I like off of each album, not the yeah. collaboration. I got you. Of the entire album.
0: Yeah. Okay. I just feel like start to finish. Abbey road is a banger, just absolute banger. Um, Okay, so going back to uh, Her Majesty, it was originally intended to be part of the medley, so that's why I'm including it in our coverage of the medley. Um, It was supposed to go between Mean Mr. Mustard and Polythene Pam. Uh, Paul decided the sequence didn't work. By the way in my research of this full album process, it seemed like Paul was kind of doing everything it. Like if Paul hadn't been around, these last two albums would not have been made. Uh, you would not have Abbey road. You would not have let it be. Paul was really the one pushing to like, guys, let's do, you know, let's do this. He was the one that still had a drive to make it happen. And he was He has
1: a strong vocal presence on every song.
0: He does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's basically like he, he it's, it's almost like he made this ending stuff himself Mm -hmm. as his like last passion project. And you know, he was carrying that weight a long time. (laughs) Uh, so anyway, uh, Paul decided the sequence didn't work putting this between, uh, Mr. Mustard and polythene Pam. And he told the, uh, the engineer, the tape operator to destroy the tape. Um, But EMI, the record company, Policy said, stated explicitly, never destroy a Beatles recording. No Beatles recording was to ever be destroyed. So the guy kept it uh, and just didn't say anything. Uh, So thank you to John Kurlander for that. He was the tape engineer who refused to destroy this. Um, The chord that you hear at the beginning of Her Majesty, that you heard that one, boom, and then it goes into the little acoustic guitar thing, uh, that was originally supposed to be the ending to Mean Mr. Mustard. Uh, so if you listen to Mean Mr. Mustard and then flip quickly over to Her Majesty, you can hear, oh, that makes total sense. You can't like you do can, that on the cassette. Right.
2: Okay. <laughs> 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 <doesn't
0: work>. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then you go back. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and it also makes me wonder... Lyrically, it's about Her Majesty, obviously referring to the Queen. Is it written from the perspective of Mean Mr. Mustard? Is he the narrator? Because he's his sister Pam works in a shop. She never stops. She's a go-getter. She takes him out to see the Queen. Only place that he's ever been. Always shouts out something obscene. Such a dirty old man. Is this... Mean Mr. Mustard's like love song to Her Majesty. He's sitting in his room. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl. But she doesn't have a lot to say. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, just it just makes me wonder, you know, if he's like maybe a little obsessed with the queen. Um and uh and this is that's you know, a
1: soft side. It's that's a soft, mean side. Mr. He's, soft side. That's right.
0: It's the it's the soft underbelly of the hard exterior that we all know is mean Mr. Mustard. Um so yeah, he's showing showing his true colors here, you know, letting out some feels for for Her Majesty the Queen. Um, notable covers include Dave Matthews and Chumbawamba.
1: Oh, tump, thump uh, thump.
0: Yeah, man, they thump thump the heck out of it. Uh, and actually, my Can't
1: keep them down. The,
0: <laughs> the first cover of this song I ever heard, and the first time I ever heard this song before I knew it was a Beatles song before I got into the Beatles was actually Dennis Miller comedian oh, yeah. uh host of uh saturday, saturday night, 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 night live like the you know the, the news yeah, portion yeah uh and weekend so many update, things We can update. update yeah yeah and has hosted you know tons of other stuff since um
1: did you ever see the movie the net
0: he was in the, the Sandra, Bullock? Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I did He's see it, but I had no recoll- recollection of him being in it. He's in it. He's in it. Uh, he uh, he had a comedy special once. I don't know if it was Comedy Central or HBO the or Dennis something. Yeah, that. he had the Dennis Miller show. Yes, and maybe it was at the end of that that he sang. I just heard him one time sing this. No acoustic guitar. He's just singing. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. And I thought he made it up. Like I thought well, that was a weird you know, thing. And then later I got Abby road and I was like, Oh, it's that Dennis Miller song. <laughs> well, you know, man, the Beatles covered Dennis Miller, who was probably I don't know, four years old at this point. Um, so I, I, anyway, I, I thought that was cool though. Obviously a big Beatles fan. Uh, but I just think the most perfect ending uh, to, you know, to this is the way they the way they did it. I'm I I wonder. I don't know, and I didn't see in my research if they ended it the way it's heard. If they ended it with that um, one day I'm going to make her mine, bomb, oh, and, yeah, and, and have, then no whatever, yeah, or if they ended it like you expect at the end, and they just thought ah this would be funny, cut the tape. You know, uh, I don't really know. Um, so this brings me to one more section of covers. There are a couple of uh, artists who have covered. Not just single songs from this suite, but have covered multiple sections of this song as one track. Um, There's a couple of artists that have covered Golden Slumbers and Carry That Weight and The End. Uh, You want to take a guess. One is a progressive rock band and one is a pop, actually progressive, progressive pop megastar. want to take a guess. Roll it. Dream Theater. Shut up. And Phil Collins. Dream Theater and Phil Two Collins. Two my favorite. Yes.
1: How have I not heard this? I
0: don't know. They both have extended covers of sections of, of this suite. Holy cow. And uh, I think you can find them on YouTube. Uh, and then there's one final thing that I want to talk about on this, which is just amazing. Uh, and that is an album called The Other Side of Abbey Road. Have you ever heard it? Ever seen it? Know what it is? Okay. I have it, uh, and it's incredible. This came out literally... Uh, if I, if I recall what I read in my original research for this album, George Benson, jazz guitarist who later became like a pop disco icon, sex symbol, you know what I mean? Gimme the night, love times love, uh, stuff like that, but is literally one of the most incredible guitarists to ever play the instrument. Um, he did a cover of basically this entire album. Two weeks after it came out, he went in the studio and covered almost front to back the entire album in his own style, his own interpretation of the song. He sings it, and he plays it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's got golden slumbers, you never give me your money, because come together, oh darling, here comes the sun, I want you, uh, something, Octopus's Garden, and the end. Covers all of it. Uh, and it literally, it was like within a month of Abbey Road coming out, he had this Wow. He had these covers. Like, imagine how much you're listening. You know what I'm saying? Like what an impact this has that other musicians immediately go
1: I'm gonna do nothing but this. I, yeah, I gotta do
0: this. Like, you know, my next album is dedicated to this. Um and somebody else has a lot of other covers. It's somebody like Earth, Wind and Fire, I think, uh dedicated a good portion of an of an album to um covering, you know, at least Beatles' songs, but a lot of it from uh, from this, but let me hit you with a little bit of this and maybe this would be a good way to take us out That's this good. week. Um, Thanks for sticking in with us tonight. This is a fun episode. We considered even doing this as a, a multi parter, but uh, we'll see how this goes. Let us know if you guys like the longer format, the XL version of the Great Song Podcast this week. Thanks for joining us. We've had a lot of fun talking about the Abbey Road B Side Suite from the album Abbey Road. Hit us up on Twitter at Great Song Pod, at Worship Nerd, at PennyTrader10. Uh, follow us, subscribe, like, comment, review, all those things. Uh, they help us get seen by more people and help us grow our what is soon to be a future podcast empire. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.